You are listening to the Forum 5 Stories, where we are having fireside chats with amazing founders and venture capitalists from San Francisco and Silicon Valley. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Forum 5 Stories. I'm your host, Taha. As many of you know, besides hosting this show, I have a startup, and as a founder of a startup, I met hundreds of investors like angel investors, accelerators, venture capitalists, and I realized that almost every investor has a different perspective, different criteria, maybe investing in different industries. Like I met early stage venture capitalists investing in B2B startups. I met late stage investors who was looking to invest in series B or later rounds. I also met with angel investors who is looking for pre-seed deals. But I have never met with a venture capital firm which has a pitch deck saying, why take our money? I think it's a great move and this venture capital firm is Hustle Fund. And today, I'm, luck- I'm lucky because Eric Bond, the co-founder and the general partner of Hustle Fund is with me. Eric, it's a great pleasure for me to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Taha. It's a real pleasure and I appreciate this opportunity to speak with you. Sure, thanks so much for joining me. So. Your background looks impressive, but I'd like to hear it from you. You went to Stanford for undergrad and master's. Then what made you decide to start a venture capital firm after all of your experiences? I'd like to hear your story. Yeah, certainly. So I'll start from the very beginning and take you to the journey that led us to form Hustle Fund. So um, I'm the son of Korean immigrants. Uh, My parents were uh, born and raised in South Korea. Yeah, moved in the 1970s and um, uh, settled in Michigan, where I was born in the early 80s. So uh, grew up in right outside of Detroit on the west side, and then uh, was lucky enough to attend Stanford. And at Stanford is where I like to say I, I met all the women that I'm currently growing old with. So on the very first day of school, I met my wife. She happened to be my neighbor in my dorm room. So uh, at this point, I've been with her for about... Um, 16 years, known her for 19 years. Um, on the very second day of college uh, in a math class is when I met my current co-founder, Elizabeth Yin. So um, that's also a, a long relationship. And then finally, uh, I think a little bit later that week is when I met the third uh, general partner in our fund, Xi'an. So 19-year relationship with all these women. At different times, we were co-founders, co-investors, investors in each other's businesses. Uh, we all have similarly aged to turn this friendship into this this new project hustle fund so out of college i spent most of my time just like yourself taha as as an operator um ran an education media company for nine years um was fortunate to sell that to the daily mail group a large media business in 2012. after that i started another media company with elizabeth uh, for for millennial entrepreneurs uh that's still going strong and then Finally, uh, uh, I guess my last real job was working at Facebook and Instagram, where I was a product manager, working on a variety of advertising uh, products and tools. Um, So after that experience at Facebook and Instagram, I wanted to go back into starting another small business. And I was fortunate because um, at the time, Elizabeth was the lead partner behind the accelerator for 500 startups, which is a a well-known accelerator program here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And she offered me an entrepreneur on her team where essentially give me some space to think about my own, idea, my own ideas and also get some exposure into some of their venture capital work. So, I, so this is where actually the story of Hustle Fund began. And um, Hustle Fund actually began from a very simple observation and question. 
which we were noticing as we were executing seed investments in Silicon Valley. The question was, why is it that the exact same type of founders are getting the easiest and um, I guess highest volume of seed capital at the earliest stages? And I'll be really blunt with you. I mean, it's, it's the same type of men. It's these whiter Asian men who went to Stanford or MIT, computer science degree, worked at a Google or Facebook, combination of like this race, gender, and pedigree that just seemed to appear over and over again among um, the deals that we were seeing of the largest sizes at the earliest stages of seed investment. And this led to another question, which was, um, I just described are getting capital because they are better founders. As in, you know, are men better than women at starting companies? Are white people better than black people? Are Stanford educated people better than non-Stanford educated people? And so forth. And from that question, um, Hustle Fund actually began to emerge because we began to look at the data across uh, the wide portfolio at 500 businesses and working with the founders in the accelerator program. And we we're noticing that, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a reliable indicator of success when um, that, that very specific background of founder, that white Asian men, good pedigree, good schools, uh, farm companies. Like it doesn't necessarily predict success reliably. It was, was our conclusion from the data as well as the, our own research with working with the companies. But instead, a different early indicator began to form that we're noticing very high correlation patterns across um, a very d different kind of set of founders with those who end up becoming the best companies um, and the largest outcomes for the fund. And it's this quality that we describe as hustle. So for us, hustle is defined as great execution and high velocity. And it turns out that you know, teams are just shipping a lot of code, running a lot of experiments, driving very hard sales pipeline process execution metric for measuring that given team. Those teams that just ship hard and measure well against the right metrics week after week, month over month, and year after year, tend to just grind out the best businesses over time. And it turns out that these founders also look like everyone. It's not necessarily just men, but it's like, you know, women are just as good at this. It's not just uh, a very certain category of, uh, of racial factors, like, you know, underrepresented founders do great at this as well. Uh, people outside of Silicon Valley and, and so forth. And when we concluded that hustle was perhaps a better way of measuring and investing into teams, we broke off and created Hustle Fund. So um, just to quickly describe our model for Hustle Fund, we believe that the only way that we can truly assess for teams is by working with a working with the team side by side for some period of time before we make our, our investment decision. And the controversial decision that we decided to make as a fund was to defer most of our due diligence until after we write our first check into the business. Now we're investing out of our second fund, Fund Two, Hustle Fund Two, and over the next three years, we'll be writing uh, 150 investments into 150 teams at a $25,000 check to start. So 150 teams receiving $25,000 to start over three years. We then work with each team on a growth project for four to six weeks, usually related to sales or user acquisition. And it's during that period of time where we can add some real value to the team by working with them on growth stuff, but we're also being able to monitor their execution and, and seeing how effective these founders are in, in you know, running a startup. And reciprocally, and perhaps more importantly, the founders are also judging us to see whether we're founders who are, or sorry, whether we're um, venture capitalists who are adding a lot of value to the founders, hustling hard on your behalf, and are just generally strong partners to have and strategic partners. And what we find is that after we uh, write that first project, 
in usually, usually about 20% of the cases, when we find, we find that both teams, the founders as well as us, really like working with each other. We respect each other's hustle. And we also think that you're working in a market that can serve a venture-backable outcome that is like a very large outsized outcome. And in those cases, we'll ask to participate in your next financing round with a much larger check, usually landing between a half a million and a million dollars to make you a core position with our fund. So the way that you can sort of simply distill this is it's sort of like dating before marriage. And I think the, the larger goal that we have here is, is two things. The first is um, we want to actually have this kind of dating period because we've actually have had experiences of taking investor money early in our own startup journeys previously as founders that was just bad money, just like um, investors who are annoying, who end up becoming really insufferable or just a pain in the neck. And we think that it's a, it's a broken model when to make a decision on marrying your investors so quickly, you know, uh, in the traditional way that seed investment is done or any venture investment is done. So this dating period of being able to prove each other's worth, I think is valuable. And the second thing that we're trying to show through our fund model is that ultimately great hustlers look like anyone and can come from anywhere. So even though we're not like a diversity fund, we're not trying to target a specific set of women or underrepresented minorities, but it turns out that when you focus on hustle, you get a naturally diverse portfolio. So right now about 40% of our portfolio is women. We think it's gonna to grow to about 50% by the end of fund two, 27% underrepresented minorities. And we anticipate about 60 to 75% of our fund will be investments in companies outside of Silicon Valley, because again, great hustlers look like anyone and can come from anywhere. And we wanna show that our diversity is actually a strength that, that actually yields the highest level of return for capitalism. Like, feel good thing or social policy thing just for the sake of that diversity actually makes you the most money. And we think that by doing that, we can inspire other funds to take much more diverse deal flow as well. So we can support a larger ecosystem of founders. So you actually answered my following two questions, but uh, you also gave me some hints about it, but I'd like to ask you to name the top three qualifications you like to see when you're reviewing a startup at Hustle Fund. Sure thing. So I think that I speak for a lot of seed investment funds in, the, in terms of describing really five criteria that we, we look for when it comes to assessing any seed deal. And I'll talk about the two that I really care about in a moment. So the five criteria of, a, I think, a good seed pitch deck or pitch are team, problem, solution, market, and traction. So let me go through each of those things. So team is, you know, I want to make sure that the, the people who are running this company have relevant backgrounds for solving the given problem. So, you know, if you're building, let's say, Taha, like a, an autonomous vehicle startup, I want to make sure that you come from some sort of mechanical engineering background or have had some experience with the auto industry. That's, that's usually a good sign. Um, in addition to that, if you have co-founders or early teammates, it'd be great if you all had worked together before and had shipped real product and code or other kinds of deliverables together. That's definitely a huge plus that I'm biased towards seeing. Um, problem is, you know, can you tell me very crisply what the problem is that you're trying to solve and why it isn't solved today? And for me, it's a little bit less important about the problem statement itself, but how you arrive to it. So what kind of customer development did you do? Did you talk to a bunch of customers? Um, what kind of interviews and other data can you point to to help you arrive to this, this problem? That, that's important for me to see what that process is like. Solution is generally the service or products that you're building. Uh, the market, uh, for us, we want to make sure that this is a market that's measured in the billions of dollars um, that can support a venture-backable outcome where, you know, if we invest in you, we can see an outsized 
50x, 100x outcome potentially in the business if everything goes right. And then finally, traction, which is the least um, important for us is, you know, is there any early uh, indication of product market fit? Probably not, but could you at least have some pilots or early users and some data that could be helpful there? For us, the two that we really care about are team and market. We think that, you know, the better job that we do and making sure that we're supporting the right team with a unique kind of skill set to, to win, that's probably the, the biggest thing that we can do to ensure that we're making a safe investment um, in, in a relatively high risk uh, asset class. And, and in addition to that market, because, um, you know, not, there's a lot of great businesses out there, but the most of them are not venture backable. Meaning like if they take on venture investment, that they can satisfy this really large um, exit in the future that can allow us to support um, a good return for our investors and allow us as a fund to continue to exist. So um, being able to really understand that the opportunity to sell into a large market and, and seeing validation that it's, uh, it's quite large is, is quite important for us to, to ensure uh, when we decide to invest in the businesses. Great. Uh, Eric, I'd like to uh, have your insights about something. So we are closing a significant gate, right? And there are lots of amazing tech companies founded and become very well successes. So... I usually ask my question uh, to my guests about it. So what's coming to the tech scene in 2020s, according to you? I mean, what do you think it will be a next big thing or trend for the following decades? Yeah, so in terms of next big trend, um, you know, it's very difficult for me to actually make any predictions at this point. So the way that our fund works is we are generalists. We will consider any software startup so long as it you know meets our criteria for great founders and interesting problem and huge markets etc and the reason why we stay generalists is we find that it's really understand hard for us to understand the staying power of certain trends so depending on the year certain kinds of sectors come in and out of favor um, many years ago ad tech was a really hot sector now it's not it's very difficult to get funding in that space um, drones were Hot at one point, VR and AR was hot. Now it's not, maybe now it's coming back actually a little bit. Um, and then blockchain and, and so forth. And <clears throat> so, you know, I think we just aren't simply smart enough to get a really strong sense. I can give you my guess of like what I think is going to be exciting for me, but of like, you know, where the best founders are going to uh, spend their time. And as a result, staying generalist for us is our strength in being able to be flexible so that we can chase talents wherever they lie in the coming years. Um, for me, the stuff that gets me excited are perhaps two things. Uh, one is actually women's health. So um, clearly I'm a man, um, but my interest in women's health is actually pretty basic, which is there are certain things that were taboo, I think for, for the mainstream to discuss that uh, affects a lot of women and uh, has so many interesting possibilities for health consequences. So things like fertility, you know, like a couple of years ago, it's sort of like a squeamish or even taboo concept, but it turns out that fertility is a really big problem for uh, not only just women, but just couples in general in terms of conception and, and health of the babies and so forth. And I'm really excited to see a lot of interesting companies coming to bear for that. And we've made some investments in that space as well. The second would actually be um, fashion and beauty. So if you saw me right now, you would not be very impressed because I'm not a fashionable person at all. I tend to wear just unique little clothes and anything that can buy at Target. But what I really like about the fashion and beauty space is that 
Um, first, I think that these founders are largely overlooked even today because my guess is that VC, since it's so largely male oriented, has had, a has, has had to take quite a bit of time to really understand the opportunities in the fashion beauty space and have been traditionally quite dismissive that this is like a women's thing or just like a woman's founder thing. Uh, the reality is that, um, you know, these markets are enormous. Um, even if you were to just focus on the women's section of the market, of course, you know, uh, men are very much into, into fashion as well. And also globally as well, like fashion is just like a incredibly huge thing. So the problems around like, you know, uh, commerce store experience, online uh, uh, bartering, you know, these kinds of things are really big problems that we're all encountering that uh, are yet to be solved very well globally. And um, in addition to that too, um, I, I see this as sort of an arbitrage as well, where like, you know, if men aren't really, uh, male VCs aren't really spending too much time here, maybe it is a good time for our, us as a fund to scoop up and support some of the very best founders in this space um, who are selling to these massive, massive markets. So I think those are the two that have been interests of mine this year, but I think going into the future, I'm even more optimistic about them. Great, I think like uh, that said, different perspective though. So you also mentioned in your Twitter bio that you're a minimal enthusiast. So tell me about it, I'm curious. Um, oh, <laughs> minivan enthusiast, yeah. So. I'm a dad. Um, you know, the thing that I'm most proud of in my life right now is my family. I have a wonderful wife. As I mentioned, I've been with her for nearly two decades at this point, and we have two young kids as well. And um, I think when my second, yeah, when my second kid came out right before she arrived, uh, I had to replace my car, and then I got this uh, Honda Odyssey minivan uh, to get a little bit more space. And I just for whatever reason, this is a quirk of mine, just completely fell in love with this car. I'm not really like a car guy myself, but the practicality of this vehicle is unbelievable. Like the sliding doors, the space, um, modern minivans are far more smooth and comfortable than I remembered in my childhood. And the thing that I, I really love to poke fun of is just the American sensibility towards the minivan. Uh, just how it's like this like soccer mom kind of vehicle or just like a loser car or something. But as I sort of like thought, thought about these myths, I'm kind of like running the other direction of just like, it is it's like, I do not understand any of this criticism at all. Like what's literally the difference between an SUV and a minivan? The difference is that the SUV is actually slightly more inconvenient. Like they don't have the sliding doors and the, some of the, uh, um, I guess, space that you can find available in, in these minivans. So it's kind of a quirk of mine, but largely it's also, I think it's primarily an extension of my own um, perhaps my own brand of just being super proud of being a dad first and foremost. And I just, I just find myself owning up to it. So like I have a minivan now, I wear Crocs most days, um, slightly more fashionable Crocs that kind of look more like Albert shoes versus like regular Crocs. <laughs> but uh, you know, at home I just wear sweatpants all day long. Um, and it's, I just, I just find that I'm really embracing enjoying uh, dad life and all the stereotypes that come with being a dad. That's really cool. So Last but not least, Eric, I'd like to ask you, uh, what's coming next for you and maybe for Hustle Fund? So I think for the future of Hustle Fund, um, there's a couple of things that we're really bullish about. Uh, the first is that, I guess if I take a really long-term view, we view this as our final jobs, me and my partners, right? Actually, hopefully everyone on my team views this as their final jobs. And 
What I mean by that is a couple of things. One is like we are trying to build um, in a very sensible fashion, like a brand that is very welcoming and inclusive to early stage founders, wherever they are and however they look. And I think that we've done a really good job since far two and a half years ago to, to execute against the, um, that vision of being very opening, welcoming, and also following up to be supportive to these, the, these founders. Um, right now, we see about 450 deals per month. Our goal by this time next year is to be pacing about 1,000 deals per month. And um, I think that's, uh, that's something that's very achievable. We have a wonderful head of marketing, and our partnership is, is doing some great stuff to support that vision as well. So that's in 2020. But longer term, too, like, you know, this, this ethos, this first principle notion of that great founders, the great hustlers look like anyone and can come from anywhere. We want to have mechanisms to serve founders um, even more broadly. So right now we only focus on three markets, pretty large markets, uh, US, Canada, and Southeast Asia, with particular emphasis on Vietnam, Singapore, and Indonesia in Southeast Asia. You know, we would of course love to serve founders in Latin America, in Africa, Europe, uh, India, elsewhere. Um, right now we don't have the team that would be able to represent Hustle Fund on the ground and really understand those deals and the localities better. But, you know, we do have aspirations of being a global fund that can serve great venture backable founders wherever they are. And then I think there's a larger category of um, founders that we would like to also serve. So we say no all the time to awesome founders who are building awesome businesses. So why? The reason why usually comes down to market. I'll give you an example. So I ran an education company for nine years, as I mentioned at the beginning of this interview. And it was a super niche education community that was tailored towards MBA applicants. Like, uh, that's it, right? There's something like 250,000 MBA applicants per year at the time. It was this really, really niche market. We had a pretty solid business, but it was by no means venture backable. Like if I took uh, Taha Capital's money and you, know, you, you invest me at like a $10 million valuation or something, I would not 100x that. There's, there's no way that our market could have ever supported that. And therefore, it was not venture backable, but it was a great business. But it doesn't mean that these companies don't deserve support, right? And maybe there's different kinds of debt products that we can start to introduce to support these founders who aren't necessarily venture backable, but forming great businesses and can benefit a lot from working capital. Maybe there's even other things that we can do, like invent a banking products to be really, really hyper startup oriented and, and founder friendly. Um, again, like no active project on the, those things are, are really forming right now, but um, it's something that we would love to accomplish over the course of the next 30 years as it makes sense. So, you know, our vision for Hustle Fund, again, like large global brand and a place where any founder, regardless of their company or how they look or who, where they are, who they are, um, can find a story within us that, that is providing real support to them. That's great. I hope everything goes well for you, for Hustle Fund, and for the all following decades. All right. I think that's all. Uh, it was really nice to chat with you, Eric. Thanks for coming to the Forum Five Series. I really enjoyed it. Yes. Thank you so much, Tahaz, on, uh, for this opportunity. Very much appreciated the questions. And uh, yes, just uh, wishing you as well as your audience all the best. Thank you so much. So. This is the end of the episode of Forum 5 Stories. If you'd like to listen following episodes or special clips, please make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn slash Forum 5 Stories and see you on the next episode.